everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Everybody and thank you for tuning in this week to the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast Show. I'm here this week to talk to you guys about a K-drama from 2016 that is called Cinderella and the Four Nights. So <laughs> this drama is 16 episodes long, so it's not too long. It's a fluffy rom-com and it is it feels <laughs> it feels a lot older than what it is and by that I mean it feels like it wasn't made in 2016 it feels like it was made in 2010 I feel like this drama is like it leans into the classic tropey I feel like the original k-drama structure before I feel you know over recent years dramas have really branched out they're all different kinds of things now and I you know I know there's still tropes there's definitely still k-drama tropes but I think dramas now are made up of more than just tropes <laughs> like they have actual plots and other things as well <laughs> but I think that this drama Cinderella and the Four Nights is it just like harks back to super old classics it feels very old-fashioned it doesn't like look old-fashioned it just has this tropey old school feel and I have to say that really worked for me <laughs> so I don't know if this drama would be for everyone um I kind of like I feel like this is the drama that is probably going to be I don't want to say polarizing because that's probably ridiculous for a little fluffy rom-com like this but I feel like some people probably like really really adore it like it just hits the sweet spot because it is made up of all these classic tropes and it feels like one of these very old school original kind of drama setups and then I think there'd be another audience who would be like what is this? Like, it's it's so old-fashioned. Um, especially considering, I think, that it came out in 2016. Like, I think this must be one of the last, I don't know, just dramas that are made up of, of this kind of classicness. <laughs> so, um, this drama, why did I watch it? Yeah, well, I didn't watch it when it aired. I actually didn't. I think I might have watched one or two episodes at the time back when it came out and I, you know, just mildly enjoyed it and moved on with my life afterwards and never finished it for whatever reason. Um, but this year, I guess, look, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, uh, you know how 
every now and then you're in K-drama land and you watch something and you really enjoy it and you're like, who is that actor or slash actress? I'm going to, from now on, follow them around K-drama land and watch every single thing and project and drama and movie that they have ever even cameoed in. So the reason that I wanted to watch Cinderella and the Four Nights is because it does star the actor Dong Iru, who I love. I love him. He's so great. Um, <laughs> so when I first started watching K-drama way back, um, you know, Dong Iru was quite, I feel like he was just starting out at the same time that I was starting out. <laughs> we have so much in common. <laughs> we don't, we really don't. Um, but I really like him. I think he's great. So I do remember like enjoying his early dramas, um, but then he took a big hiatus from K-drama land, which wasn't something I kind of realized at the time. Um, I just thought he'd gone off to army or something. Um, but he actually took a break. And when he came back, Jong Yoo has been in some stuff that I have felt very, very obsessed with. And since then, I'm like, oh, better go and, you know, delve into this actor's backlist. Hence, Cinderella and the Four Knights, uh, which Jong Iru stars in as, you know, the main male lead. Um, so this drama for me was a K-drama club watch, uh, which basically just means that I watch it uh, with my friend Lizzie or separately from her and then we chat about it um, because we do not live near each other. So we watch it separately and then talk about it. So this was my pick. I wanted to watch this. And is it good? Should you watch it? <laughs> Look, it is what it is. I think um, think of classic fluffy rom-coms. That is what you're going to get. You're not going to get more than that. <laughs> you really are not. But I do think there's some elements of this show that elevate it a little bit. Namely, I think the casting. Um, the female lead is played by the actress Park So Dam, who is wonderful. She kind of does a lot more movies than she does dramas. Um, and of course, is probably best known, um, or at least internationally, for her role as part of the main family in the mega hit Korean movie Parasite. Um, I really, really like Park So Dam. So she was another kind of draw card for this for me and I think her and Jong Iru together as like the leads oh, really really works for me I really liked them both in this even though you know they play ultra classic characters <laughs> um so I guess I'll talk a little bit about the casting um Obviously, I already mentioned Dong Iru as the man. I'm trying to pronounce his name properly, so I do apologize because I'm, I'm sure I'm not doing it properly, properly, but I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Um, so I really, really like him. Um, I'm currently, as I record this, watching him in Boss Arm, which is a 2021 historical drama. I just think he's fantastic. I love him so much. Um, and I think he's really good in this. He certainly plays, you know, a cranky male lead, a very classic one. And Park So Dam plays a very candy kind of type female lead, you know, um, very poor, kind of trodden on by everyone, treated by shit by everyone, um, but, you know, always happy, always positive, always smiling. And every single boy that she comes across falls madly in love with her for no reason whatsoever. And she falls over at least five times per episode in a very you know, clumsy yet very cute way um, onto a hot boy. Like she doesn't just fall over onto the ground or I think she does once or twice, <laughs> but mostly she falls over um, onto a handsome man, which is, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Look, it's not very progressive, but I really enjoyed this. <laughs> so the, th uh, the second male lead is played by the actor An Jae Hyun. 
Uh, so he is in stuff. He starred in a drama called Blood, which is about, I think, a vampire surgeon or something. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, but I do remember him. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, I haven't really seen him in a lot of stuff. This this might even be my first, like, full-length drama um, where he has quite a large part. But I do remember very much so noticing him in kind of a standout, kind of just a funny kind of side character role in You From Another Star um, with Kim Soo Hyun um, quite a few years ago now. But I, I think that was sort of his, you know, first breakout role. And then since then, he's been doing a lot of stuff, but I, I haven't really seen him in anything. Um, I actually really enjoyed him in this. He just plays, you know, again, with the kind of classic character setup, like everyone in this is... I don't know, just a list of K-drama tropes. And um, uh, An Jae-hyun's second male lead character is no different. He, well, I've got to say there is a slight difference because I think um, An Jae-hyun, his second male lead, really has a lot of ingredients that I think in the very older classic dramas would be almost more of the main male lead, uh, except he's more flirty than angry. So that's why I guess we've got the male, uh, the main male lead, Jong Iru, also in the drama to fill in that angry <laughs> dude role. <laughs> um, so there's quite a few other faces in this drama. Um, there's a what, a, a third male lead uh, played by an actor called Lee Jong Shin, uh, who I haven't seen before. He plays a character called Kang Soul, and you know he's he's more of the classic second male lead. You know, in love with her silently, never tells anyone, writes songs about it, and is consistently kind and lovely to everybody. Um, quite liked him in this. He was good. And the second female lead is played by an actress called Son Naun. Uh, she plays a character called Park Hechi, and I. I think I'm, I liked her. I, I mean, well, I like the actress in this. I liked the character. Um, she kind of strays into, you think she's going to go into second female lead kind of mean territory quite a few times. And one thing I really liked about the drama is that they kind of, uh, I guess, skirted around my expectations and the character... Hedgie kind of didn't go full evil. In fact, she kind of forms a nice positive relationship with Harwon, uh, which is our main female lead, played by Park Sudong. So that was kind of cool and refreshing. Um, I can't say I loved all of uh, the second female lead kind of stuff in the drama. I feel like in the second half of the drama, it really like takes over. Um, there's lots of other faces in this and as well, like particularly, you know, the kind of older generation, you know, dads and mums and grandpas and the like. Um, so I probably won't go through all of them. Um, but I guess there's one more, you know, they say Cinderella and the four nights, but the fourth night played by an actor called Che Min, uh, is basically just some grandpa's secretary. And he just walks around in a suit and is a secretary the whole time. And look, <laughs> I don't really feel that he's one of the knights. I feel like they just did that because they wanted an extra, you know, handsome man on the poster or whatever. But he's like more of a side role and he has like a really boring um, kind of, I don't know, birth secret conglomerate takeover kind of storyline. I mean, look, I don't even know what happened with that because I was not that interested. But um <laughs> sorry, I'm a bit all over the place with this drama. It's really weird. I think um, I have to say, like when I first started watching this, I was in the mood for it. Like, and I feel like, you know, 
should you watch it? Should you not? If you haven't seen it, I feel like it's really good to know that Cinderella and the Four Nights is exactly what you kind of expect it to be. It's very, very silly. Um, it's very, very cheesy. It really doesn't have a plot, particularly <laughs> towards the end. So it does spin its wheels. But there was something quite charming about it. And I think for me, charming about the classicness of it, even though... I don't know, a lot of those tropes feel kind of old-fashioned, you know, compared to, I suppose, what more modern dramas are doing and the risks that more modern dramas are taking and, you know, maybe the more the the depths of the emotions and stuff. Um, but I don't know, this one really, really hit a spot for me and I think I'd come off, I can't even remember what I'd been watching prior, but something very dark and I was just like, you know, I just want something light, I want something fluffy, I want something that's just going to be, you know, really silly and just be fun and that's it, like surface level. And I think because it does have such likeable leads, um, it, it, it just, I don't know, it was really good, it, it really worked for me. So the first half of this drama, I gobbled up. I felt completely addicted. Um, I just, I, I watched it in two minutes basically. And then f literally from the halfway like point on to the end. So like from episode nine to 16, I was like, what even is happening in this drama? I feel like the main plot of the first half just got forgotten about. I feel like the female lead was sort of not even the female lead for the second half of the drama. I feel like she almost gets like relegated to a back kind of seat compared to the second female lead who starts getting, you know, a lot more attention in the storyline um, while standing around and crying usually. Um, so the second half... Um, you know, I'm not going to lie, it didn't work for me as much as the first half. But the first half was just fizzy fun. Like, and I think it's still worth watching, like, if you're just looking for something silly to enjoy. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's enough waffle from me for the beginning of this. And I'll just get into a bit of the setup and tell you guys a little bit about the madness that is Cinderella and the Four Nights. The charming madness, I should say. <laughs> Okay, so I will try my best <laughs> to explain the plot. And, you know, for the first half of this drama, there is a plot. And also in the second half of this drama, there is also a plot. It's just not the plot that I wanted, that's all. <laughs> Way too much focus on very boring grandpa and his, you know, I don't know, Mark Jung drama. <laughs> but uh, so the first half of the drama, or just the start of the drama, I guess, realistically. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, so we open with our female lead, who is played by the very lovely actress Park Sodam. Uh, so this character's name is Nhawan. So Harwon is your very typical kind of tropey K-drama classic fluffy rom-com lead. <laughs> so she is a poor girl and she, you know, this is Cinderella, right? So she lives in a house. Her dad is um, like a truckie, so he's away a lot. And her mom has died quite a long time earlier. Her dad's remarried. And now this Cinderella, Harwon, has a very evil stepsister and a very evil stepmother who... I'm just going to say, get way too much screen time for me. <laughs> These two are horrible. I didn't like them at all. And then at the end, how? just jumping to the very end of the drama right now before I've told you anything about it at all. Um, 
you know, Harwon has this, like, I don't know, a forgiveness kind of moment. And she's like, oh, now we can all get along as a family. And I was like, fuck those guys. Put them in the rubbish bin. They were the worst. I just thought they were awful. And they had no redempting features. Uh, The only reason that they are kind of, like, okay at the end is because they fucking have to be. Because the dad is also, also, oh, Harwon's dad is the worst. He should also be chucked in a rubbish bin. He is the worst. I hated him. (laughs) All right. So I feel like I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. Um, So the start of the drama, that was the end that I just told you about then, but the start, we have Harwon living with her awful stepsister and her awful stepmother. They're really mean to her. They sit around lazing around. Although to be fair, her stepmother still has a job and is working hard. It's more the stepsister who doesn't do anything. And I guess the stepmother just lets her get away with that. But they're both very screechy and they yell a lot, uh, which is, you know, whatever. So they force Harwon, she has to like sleep out on the weird balcony where it's really cold and you know she doesn't she's you know she doesn't even get to eat the food that they eat or have any new clothes or do anything so they just keep all of like the money to themselves and they treat her like shit basically. So Harwon is desperate to go to university. She wants to go and study. I feel like maybe at the beginning she says something about being a teacher. Um not sure that that's something that threads the whole way through the drama. I feel like there's quite a few things that are kind of introduced plot-wise at the beginning that by the second half of the drama, where it just goes full like mukjang, like into all this conglomerate kind of plotting stuff. And I feel like the drama just forgot everything that they'd already set up and just left those loose threads alone, which, you know, was fine, whatever. So um, Harwon is working, you know, multiple jobs. She's trying to save up to go to uni. And then one day she finds out or she gets a call or she goes to visit. I don't know this, uh, you know, like the kind of the funeral place where her mother's urn is resting. Um, And she goes there and she finds out that her mother's urn has been removed from display because no one has paid the rent, basically. So the exact amount that is owing to enable her mother to, you know, the urn to stay where it's meant to be, um, the gravesite basically, uh, is the same amount that Harwon has spent, you know, I don't know how long, like a whole year or something slaving away at a million different part-time jobs, scraping together enough funds to like pay for just the, the initial like deposit or like the first semester or something like that for her university, which is supposed to be starting the next year or whatever. So Harwon is understandably completely devastated. She really, really wants to go to university, but she also really, really doesn't, you know, want her mother's urn to not have the respect that it's meant to have. And, you know, she keeps trying to call her dad and her dad's always away and he doesn't answer the phone and he has a lot of issues and I hated him. (laughs) I hated him. He was awful. He also gets a big redemption arc and I was like, don't forgive him, Harwon, but Harwon did forgive him and I think she forgives him very easily. So, um, basically, the I'm just jumping around. Here's some spoilers for you. Why not? Uh, Harwon's dad thinks, thinks, has, has made a little assumption that Harwon's mother, who's dead, was having an affair prior to her death and that Harwon herself might not be his biological daughter. He just says that straight out. He's like, you're not my biological daughter. But what he really means is, 
I have a slight, you know, worry and a slight assumption and a very unfounded idea that maybe you're not. And he, you know, subsequently treats Harwon, his daughter, like a piece of shit. Uh, so I don't like him. I feel like whether she is his biological child or not, he's raised her since she was a tiny baby. He should be nice to her. It's not her fault. Jeez. So anyway, Harwon's in a pretty shitty situation in her house, clearly. Uh, she's not treated nicely by anybody. And I guess her dad just like hasn't paid the fees to enable the mother's grave to stay or the urn to stay in its little, you know, window thing. Like, I don't know. So it's up to Harwon. She has to make the decision. Should she go to university or she, should she pay her fees? It's all very emotional, as you can imagine. And Harwon is, you know, her heart's breaking and she's crying. I really, really like this actress and I really like the character. I feel like it's just, you know, it's so by the books, I guess, in terms of the, <laughs> the tropes and the setup and, you know, the conflict and it's, it works though, I think, like it really works to make you care about her really, really quickly. She's put in this awful kind of this position where she has to make this completely impossible choice. She tries to choose university, but she can't do it. So of course, you know, crying and sobbing, she has to give up the money. And, you know, for her, for a uni. So I can't really remember. Let me try this. So there's this, this random house, this richy rich house filled with richy rich boys. There's three boys that live there and they're all the grandsons of this very old and slightly annoying grandpa. <laughs> the first half of the drama, he's very like lovely and bene benevolent. Is that the right word? And then by the second half of the drama, I was like, oh chuck this dude in the rubbish. He's no good. But then by the very end, I was like, oh, all right. You're not so bad, grandpa. Um, but I've got to mention, so this house that, you know, all these rich, handsome boys live in is called Harnell House, so like Sky House or whatever. And it's got some questionable decor. So like the outside is epic. It's like all very like architectural, like it looks like it should be in a magazine. I've seen it in a whole heap of Korean gangster movies too, I might add, because it has this like really amazing sort of like watery foyer thing with like a crazy view or whatever. And then all the characters go inside of it and you're just like, Bleh, it's awful. <laughs> um, but my favorite, my absolute top-notch favorite aspect of Harnell House, this richy rich house where all the grandsons live, is that in the lounge room, there is this like weird pop art, I don't know, like picture painting, an art piece installation. I don't know what it is. It's of grandpa's face. <laughs> <laughs> so old grandpa, not like young grandpa. It's not like a photo of when he was young. It's just him right now when he's really old. And it's like done in sort of like this mad pop art way. And it's fucking enormous. <laughs> and it's on the wall in their lounge room. And it just gives me the giggles no end <laughs> to think of this old grandpa whose who's grandsons, whose three grandsons, all hate his guts like they just hate him or one of them probably doesn't hate him like he just doesn't really care either way and the grandpa is like to the grandsons I am gonna cut you all off financially unless you come and live in this big house together because he's trying to forge some bonds between all of these handsome young boys men boys whatever you know young dudes and the grandpa decides that the best thing <laughs> that his his grandsons who hate him should have is a big pop art painting of his own face staring at them every day in their lounge room. <laughs> 
Oh, it's so funny. Gosh, I really enjoyed it. And while we're on the topic, I should mention that. Uh, so one of the grandsons, uh, played by the actor Lee Jong Shin. So this character's name is Seoul. Seoul. Uh, so he's like a celebrity. He's a singer, uh, plays guitar, makes music, all that kind of stuff. And he's super, super popular and super famous and super handsome. And everyone loves him. Of course, he's also super, super nice. Uh, he has all the ingredients of, you know, like a very nice second male lead character, but technically he's the third male lead. Anyway, uh, in his room in Hanul House is on his walls a lot of photos of himself, which again, I, I, I've already talked about this on the podcast, I feel like very recently, but again, it amuses me to no end the way every celebrity in a K-drama has just these mad big photos of themselves everywhere in their house. I think it's very funny and also I fucking love it. It's the best. <laughs> All right, so um, in this house, I'll just talk about the other characters, I suppose. In this house, the second male lead also lives. That was a weird sentence, wasn't it? Sorry, guys. So this is uh, the second male lead played by the actor An Jae-hyun. So his character is Hyun-min. So Hyun-min is your typical kind of swaggery, ridiculously rich, um, is handsome and knows it and like is, is just so knows it, like bleh like really oh, arrogant. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> he's super arrogant um, and he's just super flirty. He just flirts with everybody. Basically, we're introduced to him as this guy who is just going out with every girl on the planet and swanning around and, you know, I was going to say dumping them, but I think they're more like dumping him because he really like obviously doesn't give a shit about them. And apparently at the beginning of the drama, they forget about this later on in the drama, <laughs> but at the very beginning we get told that every time a girl breaks up with him or he breaks up with her, I don't know, they get a wish. And usually the wish is like, I want your sports car or I want this richy rich thing. And he's like, yeah, whatever, cool. And gives them everything that they want. And this is like just a weird thing that apparently is part of his personality that just gets forgotten about later. <laughs> Again, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so Hyun Min, uh, for the first half of the drama, he is in, like heavily involved in the love triangle with our female lead. But, you know, things get complicated later on. And I'll talk about that later on, maybe, if I remember. But I really liked him. Um, I liked him a lot more than I expected to. Like I said, I hadn't really seen this actor like in a huge role before. Um He's, oh, I don't want to say charming because he's so arrogant, like, but he's, he's a really interesting character. And I kind of liked how, just how sillily swaggery he was, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, I found him very like amusing, but then just slightly charming as well. He was kind of towing the line between, between those things. So I don't know. I thought he was a really good second male lead. Um, so he is basically just swans around in nightclubs. He, you know, considers himself to be the heir of this conglomerate group. Like he's going to inherit everything. Um, but he, you know, also clearly doesn't do any work or go to the office or do anything at any point other than date loads of girls and go out to the pub with his mates. And by pub, I mean high end bar, like whiskey bar kind of, you know, a very flashy sort of place. So he's in one of these flashy places. And I think that, um, I don't know, some assholes there are like, haha, let's order some chicken or something. I don't know, order some fast food. And when the fast food person turns up, we'll like not pay for it and just 
laugh at them. And I guess this is 2016. So back then you probably could just call up a place and get them to deliver food before you've paid for it. But because we have the internet now, you know, this is not a thing that would happen anymore. But anyway, it's 2016, so it's fun. So of course, the person who arrives, the delivery girl, is our female lead, uh, Hawan. Um, I can't remember if it's chicken or what it is, it's something, who knows. Anyway, she turns up into this super like swanky posh bar and the guys who like, you know, just trying to play a trick on her just kind of laugh or whatever and she just goes crazy and I think she fly kicks everyone and I don't know, bashes them all up and is super cool and gets her money and Hyunmin is quite taken by her. He's very, very, very interested in this girl. Um, and I think it's because I kind of get the impression that Hyun, you know, he's Hyunmin is poor little lost rich boy who no one loves. He has a little trauma and it's not a little trauma, it's a really bad trauma in his backstory from when he's a kid and it's basically just turned him into a complete asshole. So the trauma, I'll just jump around and tell you right now, why not? Um is that when he was like, I don't know how old, 10, 12, whatever, his best friend, who was another little boy, um, died tragically by getting hit by a car right in front of Hyunmin. But the worst thing about it, and the reason why Hyunmin has just turned, you know, into such a horrible person, is because when his friend was dying on the road, it was a hit and run, you know, this little boy's kind of reaching for Hyunmin. Hyunmin is so afraid and horrified, he just runs away. And he's just a little kid. But obviously, this is this very intense, guilt-inducing experience that has permeated his entire life ever since then. And he doesn't, you know, you, you get the impression, like, he just doesn't really, he doesn't really care about anything. And I think that's what it's turned him into being. Like, he won't care about anything because that one thing was just too much for him to bear. So in saying that, like he's very, he seems very bored. He seems very like he's indulged in everything and what's there left to kind of do. Um, so I think when he sees Harwon, he's very interested because she's just different to the kind of people I suppose that he's hanging around with in his mad whiskey bar or wherever he is. I don't know where he was, some swanky place. Um, so I feel like he follows her and he tries to find out where she, you know, who she is and what she does and all that kind of stuff. And he ends up up enlisting her uh, to, to be his date to his grandpa's wedding. So we find out that grandpa, I'm just going to call him grandpa, so you know, the owner of Harnell House with his big pop-art face in the lounge room, uh, he's getting married for the, I think the drama says the fifth time. And at this point in the show, grandpa is kind of portrayed as this very jovial, very nice, very slightly silly, but, you know, very nice, kind kind of dude. Um, and I'm like, but if he's been married five times, like, I feel like that's a problem here, right? <laughs> I feel like something's going on. I don't feel like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's something going on. So uh, Hyunmin kind of enlists Hawan to be his date. And obviously he offers a lot of money and Hawan is in this terrible predicament at the moment. I can't remember if it's already happened or not, but she totally gets kicked out of her house and all sorts of stuff. I feel like that hasn't happened at this point, but it will. Don't worry about it. Of course, she's going to get kicked out of her house. Um, and so she agrees to be Hyun Min's date. And of course, you know, he brings her there. He's got like all these reporters who, you know, he's kind of like a social, like a, what, like a, a, a social, I've forgotten what the word for that is, kind of like a Paris Hilton, but of Korea, 
but he's a dude. That's what he is. A socialite. That's what the word I was looking for. Hyun Min is a socialite. So he's in all the tabloids. He has all the reporters crawling after him. And of course, they see him bring like a girl into the wedding hall. And then, you know, he dresses her up and he takes her shopping and all sorts of stuff, whatever. And the third male lead... I wonder if any of this makes any sense, what I'm trying to say. Uh, so who is the third male lead, so the celebrity kind of singer guy, kind of comes across seeing Harwon. He tries not to peek, but she's getting changed and stuff. So it's all, you know, very funny and humorous. Um, but of course, he totally likes her and very like noticing her. And then um, Hyunmin marches Harwon, who's all dolled up. I think they even put her in a wig. Like she has a, her hair suddenly longer. So presumably it's a wig and she didn't just grow it longer um, into the wedding hall. And we find out that grandpa is getting married to this other woman. Who is she? Her name's Kwaja. Should I just call her step-grandmother to make things easier? Um, And she's, you know, very beautiful and glamorous. And you kind of wonder, you're like, is she she here for the money? Is she here for grandpa? And we kind of find out, you know, grandpa thinks that she's never been married before. And I'm like, he thinks this gorgeous, beautiful woman has never been married before. Like, I don't know. It all seems a bit sus. Um... And also, I don't see why it matters if she has been married before. That's That was like my main sort of thing. I was like, does the grandpa, like, would he not have married her if she'd been married before? Is that what this is? Because that's not cool. So, yeah, I, I was real sus about the grandpa at the start. I'm like, I reckon he's not as nice as they're saying he is. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. So Hyunmin obviously completely hates his grandpa. Um, All the boys do because the grandpa was really mean to their dads um, and their dads are all dead. Not because of the grandpa, I think for different things. Although I'm pretty sure the drama at one point mentions that one of the dads killed himself, which I feel like is a really intense thing that doesn't really get unpacked in the story. And then I don't remember it getting mentioned again. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, so uh, Hyunmin kind of marches Harwon in to the wedding hall right when grandpa and new step-grandma are like, you know, coming in for their wedding march, like around the side down a balcony and all the guests are kind of like, oh my gosh, oh, whoa, what's going on? And so they all come down onto like a stage at the front of the wedding hall and um, Hyunmin kind of, you know, meets up with his grandpa and is like, hey, this is my fiance, Hawon, or potentially he doesn't even know what her name is at this point. Like, I don't know. Um, but, you know, he's just kind of, he's just messing with him and he just says some really rude stuff and grandpa gets really upset and, you know, he's just trying to basically ruin the wedding. Um, and Harwon isn't into it. You know, she, even though her folks treat her like a piece of shit, she's very respectful and she thinks that Hyunmin is being a childish, arrogant jerk, basically. And so, you know, she does her cool, like grabs his wrist and twists it around and suddenly like he's kneeling on the ground and she makes him like apologize. And the grandpa notices this and he's like oh like look at this girl like she's controlling him this is really interesting so he asks his secretary to you know go find out who Harwon is and find out about her um so the secretary who apparently is the fourth knight but like whatever he's just sort of does boring like conglomerate things in the background so I I I don't I don't know. Was he meant to be in love with Harwon as well? I feel like maybe he was. I feel like everyone was in love with her, which is fair enough because Park Sodam is pretty great. <laughs> um, so the secretary, like, you know, after the whole thing, it kind of is 
kind of looking into Harwon. He finds out, you know, she she needs money desperately. She's treated like shit by her family. She's been kicked out because I think at this point her dad comes home and he's, he's like, you're not my biological child for some reason, even though I've been raising you all this time. And it's not even true and completely unfounded. There's zero evidence to this fact. He's just sort of thought maybe it might be true. Um, and he kicks her, he slaps her, I think. I feel like he slaps her and he kicks her out of the house, even though she's got zero places to go and zero money and is like literally carrying around an urn filled with her mother's ashes so you know it's not that good for Harwon and this is the point with with Harwon's dad and I was like oh no no I'm not going to forgive him for this he's no good throw him in the rubbish um but Harwon doesn't uh, instead she just walks off sadly and then of course um you know, I can't even remember what the order is, but the secretary approaches her and is like, come with me, grandpa wants to meet you. So Harwan goes, and this is not the order that what happens in the drama. (laughs) This is the general gist, you guys. This is generally the gist of sort of a little bit maybe what happens in this mad show. So the secretary brings Harwan to visit um, grandpa in his big, you know, conglomerate sort of office. And he puts her on a couch and grandpa's on the other couch and grandpa's like, play the video and for some reason <laughs> they've this just made me laugh so much so they've pre-produced this hilarious video and um while the video is playing secretary is sort of doing a talk over and, and basically what's happening his grandpa and the secretary are trying to convince harwan to go and live in harnell house sky house with these three grandsons and she will when she lives there be given missions uh like missions like get these three boys who all hate each other's guts to eat in the same room, to share a meal. So like little things like that. And if she fails one of the quests, she has to, you know, out, you're on the street. And then, um, I don't know why, but whatever, you're on the street. (laughs) And if she wins one of the quests, she gets basically like a whole semester of her university fees paid for and something like, you know, maybe her mother's urn can go back to the mother's urn sort of place where it should be and not like in her bedroom or on the street because she's got nowhere to live now. Um, but the thing that I think is so fucking funny <laughs> is that while grandpa is trying to convince Harwon to, you know, do this, to come and live in Harnell House and like just take control of his ridiculous grandsons, he plays a video that looks like, you know, <laughs> it just made me laugh so much to think about grandpa going and hiring a video making team to make this video. So what we see is is um, the video introduces each of the grandsons one at a time. But it's these kind of like videos that make it look like a movie trailer or something. Uh, as in like, uh, you know, like the, the grandsons wouldn't even know that they're getting filmed, basically. So it's very silly. It made me laugh so much. So the one for Hyunmin is, um, so the second male lead, Hyunmin, the arrogant rich dude, is him just driving around in like mad sports cars. And the video will just have like one girl, like one hot girl sitting next to him in the passenger seat. And then it'll just flick out and suddenly be a different hot girl and a different one and a different one. And it's him like winking and being really cool. And I'm like, when did grandpa film this? This is so weird. <laughs> I can't remember what Soo's one was, but presumably it was him being cool and singing. And then uh, the main male lead, who, you know, I haven't talked about yet, even though he's the main male lead and is the main character and has been in the drama a lot at this point, but I will get on to him, I'm sure. 
Uh, played by the actor Jong Yoo-ru. So his character's name is June, and he's sort of the newest addition to Hanul House because he is a grandson that never knew that he was related to this very rich conglomerate family um, because, you know, his mum and his dad had sort of broken up. Turns out grandpa broke them up because he's a horrible ass. Get in the rubbish, Grandpa. He doesn't, though. Everyone forgives him. It's fine. Whatever. So Jiyoon is kind of actually grown up very poor. He's grown up, um, I don't know, being a mechanic or something. And he works as a mechanic. And now he lives in Harnell House and is very, very rich and doesn't really know what to do about anything except that he hates everybody and is really, really angry because he feels like his mum got abandoned and died tragically and the family are all horrible, which... They are all horrible, so I was kind of on June's side with this, even though he's kind of horrible too, but more in, you know, an angry male lead sort of way, where you know that he's going to get better. Um, so anyway, Grandpa is showing this video to Harwon to convince her to come live with his grandsons. Um, and June's video is him, like, fighting a bunch of gangsters in a warehouse. <laughs> and I was like, what? what? This is his character trait? Like, this is what he does? And then, you know, secretary's like, oh, you know, he's a really good fighter. And grandpa's like, yeah, he's a thug. I'm like, that's, that's weird. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was highly amusing. So now that I've mentioned June, I should say that, so when Hyunmin, the second male lead, brings Hawon to, you know, the wedding hall to disrupt grandpa's, um, big wedding June is there as well and he is there um he's kind of there to be a date for the second female lead Heji so Heji is completely madly in love with Hyunmin and has been since they were kids and she is the twin sister of the little boy who got run over by a car that Hyunmin has basically you know, has ruined his whole life because he didn't go and help his friend and he ran away and that's why he's so horrible. And Hyunmin just consistently treats Heji the worst, <laughs> the absolute worst. He's so mean to her. And this girl just keeps like hitting on him and then crying when she gets rejected. Like I would say 20 billion times is how many times that that scene basically happens in this drama where she'll be like, I love you. And he'll be like, but I don't love you. And then she'll cry like so many times, but you know, with a bit more finesse than my scenario just then had. <laughs> um, so June is quite in love with Hedgy or, you know, crushing on her, I suppose. And it's very much like her, her good close friend now, who is her emotional support, always helping her every time um, Hyunmin crushes her heart. So Jiyun hates Hyunmin, he hates grandpa, he hates everybody, and he kind of sees Hawon there at the wedding hall and he thinks that she's you know, a social climber. He he happens to know that she's poor in real life, like that she has no money. So he knows that she's there because Hyunmin has offered to pay her or because she wants to marry Hyunmin and get all his money. And we kind of, you know, he's a real asshole about it, to be honest. And there's lots of like, it's very funny, actually, at the start of this drama, like whenever Hyunmin and Jiyoon, so 
male lead, second male lead, like have a conversation. It's always like super close. Like, you know, they're real in each other's face and there's a lot of like throwing each other against walls and stuff and just constantly like sticking their faces so close together. I'm like, are they about to kiss? They don't kiss. They just yell at each other a lot. But there's a lot of tension there. It was it was, it was pretty full on. And then when June meets Harwon, they do the exact same thing. So like, I think June sort of like, pushes Harwon against a wall and is like right in her face and then she flips him over and like pushes him against the wall and is right in his face. It was quite amazing and I feel thoroughly wonderful <laughs> but very silly <laughs> but I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, I feel like none of these characters could go near each other um, unless they like dialed the tension up to like 10 um, or even 11 maybe. I don't know. It was quite good but really silly. Um, so we kind of find out that Jiwoo is, he's so intense about kind of social climbers and money and people who are trying to get with, you know, Hyunmin or himself for money. He's really got some issues around it. And I actually, I found his whole kind of backstory quite good. Like the same as um, Harwon's, you know, like you can't help but like her because of this hell that she's going through. Like it's just you know, the ingredients that you need to make her instantly likable and make you root for her and want her to have a good outcome. And I think uh, June's kind of backstory is pretty much similar. Like straight away, it just makes you like him, which is good because, you know, he's pretty rude to everybody, but he's also played by Jung Hyun Woo, so that's totally fine. I, I can deal with it. <laughs> um, so Jiyoon is, you know, even though he's really rich now and he's kind of been told he has to live in Harnell House with the others, he doesn't spend a lot of time there. He likes riding motorbikes and driving cars and he works in this mechanic shop, which is the same mechanic shop he worked at before he, you know, found out he was an heir to a conglomerate and now has an unlimited credit card at his disposal. Um, so he's he's kind of trying to maintain his old connections to his friends, to his old life, to his old job, to everything like that. But we kind of see some stuff like, um, you know, like a customer at the mechanic place is just, you know, being an asshole and something happens to his car. He's like, oh, my car's not fixed or whatever. I don't know. And he's just being really like mean to the mechanic worker, like really bad. And it's kind of saying to the mechanic worker, like, you know, look at my rich car. You've got to pay all the money for it or whatever. And so Jungiru just like gets in a car. Oh, sorry. The character, Jiwoon, gets in a car and just sort of like smashes it into this rich dude's car and then kind of throws his money at the rich man and is like, oh, I'll pay for everything. And, you know, he does it to protect his, you know, his mechanic working friend. But the mechanic working friend, all he sees is the fact that Jiwoon is now just so filthy rich, like so rich. And then, you know, we see this other scene where Jiwoon is like, I'll oh, buy everyone lunch. Like he, he's aware that he's got more money than everybody else and they might be struggling. So he's trying to pick up the slack and be nice to his friends. So he goes off and buys some food. And when he comes back, he's just been to like um, a convenience store. He's got like all convenience for store food in a plastic bag. He arrives back and he overhears them just before he goes back into the mechanic shop. And they're all like, you know, why does he always buy us really cheap stuff? You know, like we all know that he's really rich now. Like what? He can't even like spend it on us and stuff. And so they're just, it's just, uh, I thought it was really interesting because I mean, it's not nice, I guess, what some of the, his old mechanic friends are sort of saying, but at the same time, it's this idea that having money changes things, whether you want it to or not, it just does. It creates barriers between people. It creates envy, like things just 
can't be as they were. He's not the same as them anymore. And it's not their fault and it's not his fault. But no one kind of knows how to bridge that gap and be comfortable anymore. Um, and it's really sad. Like you get, like you realize that June is extremely lonely. You know, like he's his mum's died quite early, so he's clearly like had a bit of a hard knock life growing up all by himself. And he's created this kind of makeshift family for himself at this mechanic place or whatever with his friends and his co-workers, and he's created a life for himself. And suddenly he's been lifted out, made into a filthy rich grandson or whatever. But it's also kind of ruined everything and he is more lonely than he's ever been before, which is why he's kind of connected onto Hedgy, which is the second female lead, because she was nice to him and now he spends all his time getting cried on by her over his cousin, Hyunmin, which isn't that great for him. He doesn't like it. So I really liked Jiren's character. I found him... Yeah, I mean, he's, he's you know, he just yells a lot. He keeps throwing Harwon up against the wall and, like, leaning over her and lots of tension and, and it's all very silly. But, I, you know, I think there is moments of me actually, you know, actually for real, like, my heart being a bit like, oh, that's that's very hard for this character. And the same for Harwon as well. Um, I feel like the rest of the characters with their sort of little sad backstories or their sad bits, I was kind of like whatever. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just enjoying watching this drama. But I do think with Jiyoon and Harwon, both of them, I was kind of like, ooh, yeah, that's that's tough. Like, I actually feel something about, you know, I feel emotional about what these characters are going through. But of course, because of everything that's happened with Jiyoon and money and his, like, mechanic friends, he's got a big issue, a big hang-up about it. So when he sees Harwon, what he thinks, you know, hanging off Hyunmin, approaching Hyunmin to get money, agreeing to go to the wedding for money, and then eventually agreeing to move into Hanul House for money, obviously he doesn't like her at all. And all he ever says to her is, get lost, or gyoja, gyoja? Gyojo. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was trying to be really cool and like say one thing in Korean that he says in the drama like a million times. So I thought I got it, but I didn't. How embarrassing. I should cut it out. But I won't because I never do. <laughs> you guys are always witness to all the embarrassing things I say on this show. Isn't that fun for you? I don't know. Anyway. So uh, another thing that happens to Jiwoon, we find out that, you know, grandpa in one of his more evil moments, he ends up actually paying off all, you know, Jiwoon's former mechanic friends, paying them to not hang out with Jiwoon anymore because Jiwoon is insisting on living at his like separate apartment building, which is some swanky apartment that clearly his grandpa has bought for him. And his grandpa's like, I'm going to turn off all your credit cards. I'm going to stop paying for your apartment. You have to move back into Harnell House. Um, and he pays off Jiwoon's friends and Jiwoon's friends take the money and aren't his friends anymore. So Jiwoon's a bit heartbroken and very, very lonely. Um, and it really puts him at odds with Hawan for quite a lot of the beginning of the drama where there's loads of bickering and, you know, there's even a scene where what she's like having a shower, fully clothed shower because it's like a pool shower, but still, and he's just like pushes her against a wall again and they have a big tension moment. I can't remember why or what for, but I do remember that that was a thing that happened in this drama. 
Uh, so the first half of the drama, like that's the kind of the setup. That's how Harwon ends up living in the house. Um, and then so we have the three grandsons and Harwon all living together in the house. And we have the secretary sort of swanning in and out all the time. Um, and the grandpa keeps setting Harwon like a quest, a task. And if she can't, you know, meet the task, make sure that it happens, then she'll get chucked out on the street or whatever. Um, and so the, the first one's something like, I don't know, what, what was it? Like get them all to eat together, make them all go to, you know, the um, kind of ancestral rites for their dead fathers together. And it's really, really hard for Harwon to, it's like herding cats, except worse than that, because cats are lovely. <laughs> um, so it's quite fun. I quite enjoyed the little quests and, you know, like it, it really gave the plot something I want to say. Meanwhile, Hyunmin is just hitting on her nonstop to the max. Um, but mainly he's doing that kind of so that the second female lead, Heji, can see that he's hit, hitting on Harwon to the max. Um, so, and then, yeah, there's a real kind of love triangle vibe, but it's kind of like a love quad, quadruple? Qu what's a five, five druple? <laughs> a lot of corners of this love thing I don't know anyway uh there's kind of like a more intense love triangle sort of with Hawan and Hyunmin who's hitting on Hawan Jiwoon who's sort of like having all these intense kind of interactions with Hawan and lots of nice stuff going on between them but they they tending to more bicker and you know he thinks that he hates her and then obviously he really likes Heji who really likes Hyunmin and then in the background of all this the third male lead the kind of celebrity singer So is quietly crushing on Harwon and writing love songs about her and the secretary is also I'm gonna say crushing on Harwon but you know that doesn't really eventuate into anything so that's basically the first half of the drama and then the second half of the drama like literally it's just like click from episode nine onwards um grandpa completely forgets that the reason that Harwon is living in the house is because he he wants to set her tasks and tests and quests. Um, and suddenly there's not another one of those in the whole drama. <laughs> I was like, what? Why is she living in this house then? And mainly grandpa's just like, Harwon, you're not allowed to date any of my good looking grandsons who I have made you live in a house with. You're absolutely not allowed to date them or you're out on the street. And so, of course, immediately she starts dating Jiwoon and um, all sorts of hijinks. But I, I was kind of sad to see the quests go. And then because there's no quests to kind of drive the plot, the the plot kind of ends up being more about, like, who's Harwon's biological dad? Is it this new random horrible dude who's turned up because he heard she was rich? Is it? P probably not whatever and then also the other big like plot of plot I'm doing like little finger umlauts plot um was grandpa like is his is his new wife for real is she love does she love him is she a money hungry social climber like what's going on and then you kind of find out the secretary is like her son but they're not talking about it and and then you find out that she wants to take over the company and then you find out that he has a liver disease and he needs a liver transplant transplant and all the boys have to like get tested to see if they can give their really old grandpa a liver transplant I'm like how old is this guy <laughs> I, I mean you know I don't want to say that the young dudes shouldn't have given this old guy that his liver but I mean 
how healthy is this guy? How many more years is he, is he going to live? Maybe many. I don't know. I really don't know. Anyway, all that stuff was so boring and I didn't care about it at all. But what I did really like was just all the crazy relationship stuff, particularly in the first half. It was an absolute joy to watch. It was so dumb and so fun and so lovely. And the leads were really charming. I also really liked the second male lead, Hyunmin. And by like, I mean, he was a great character in the show. He's not like a likable person, but he was good at being swaggery and ridiculous. I enjoyed it. And then the second half of the drama, it's like Harwon is just sort of less of a character. And suddenly it's like the, 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 the kind of the love triangle moves over to be more about Hedgy instead of her. And she's sort of just floating around in the background, not performing any tasks, which was very sad for me because I enjoyed that stuff. And just sort of comparing herself to Hedgy and feeling a bit sad, but then also tentatively sort of forming a friendship with Hedgy as well, which was nice. I did like that. Um, so yeah, second half less good for me, but first half really fucking fun, surprisingly. Um, so that's probably enough waffle. Who knows if any of it made sense whatsoever, but even if it didn't, now I'm going to tell you some of the stuff that I loved about this drama. All right, so here's a list of just some of the stuff that I loved, mainly around the first half of this drama. <laughs> I really liked the classic vibes way more than I would have expected. I was in the mood for it. It was, it feels old fashioned, but I found that really endearing. Like it really worked for me um, in a very surprising way. Um, I love the casting. I think uh, I knew I would like, cause I love Jung Iru and I love Park So Dam. So I thought that they would be great together. I really liked them together. Um, but I actually quite liked An Jae Hyun as well. Like, um, like I said, this is kind of my first drama seeing him. I don't know if I'm going to like follow him around Dramaland, but considering the kind of character he was playing in this, I liked him a lot more than I thought. Um, Actually, and while I think about it, because I didn't write it down, so I'll just say it right now, um, I really found it very funny. So, you know, the whole kind of the very start of the drama, Hyunmin is just hitting on Harwon relentlessly. Like every time he goes near her, he's basically like, hey, you want a date? And she's like, oh, fuck off. No, that's not really what she says. Clearly, it's very PG. But anyway, um, Hyunmin eventually kind of like properly confesses to her, like very really, um, and she turns him down. And he's horrified. But you realize very quickly that he didn't really like her at all. He's horrified because someone, like, he very seriously asked her to date. Like, he very sincerely tried to ask her out and she said no. And he's just so crushed, not because he's, like, hurt and he actually likes her, but because of the way the whole world now perceives him. And he just turns into this hilarious, listless, ridiculous dude who's just always crouched in the garden, like, you know, just looking sad all the time. And I found that very, very unexpected. And from that point on, he's just not really like he and Harwon are very good friends and they're very like, you know, they still have heaps of great scenes together, but there's just no kind of romance between them at all from that point on. And I found all of that very unexpected and quite fun. And I think I just loved how ridiculous he was in, in dealing with this situation. It was very dramatic and very funny. So I really enjoyed that. Um, what have I got here? Oh, 
Oh, so I've written down the scene with the life-size moose. So <laughs> let me explain this one. So I said to you before that Dune, uh, so the main, our main male lead, you know, for a while he's living in this flash apartment because he refuses to go live in Harnell House with grandpa's big painting on the wall or, or whatever. Um, and there's this scene where he's, you know, he's all dressed up in a trench coat or whatever, and it's kind of like a low light and he's standing in his apartment brooding, like being a handsome brooding sort of dude, staring out the window at the dark city, you know, at night. And right next to him, standing next to him is a life-size fucking moose. <laughs> I can't remember if it was a painted moose or if it was just a moosey moose or what, but it was a fucking moose. And I was like, what kind of decor is this? Who designed his apartment? Who thinks that a rich young dude who, you know, is into rich young dude stuff wants a moose in his house. Like, is it art? Is it taxidermy? I don't know. I feel like it was art. I thought it was weird, but also fucking hilarious. It made me laugh a lot and I really enjoyed it. Um, I also think it's really amazing. Like, you know, June's apartment only appears in this drama for, I feel like, four seconds, maybe, if even, and that's it. The whole show, that's it. But someone had to dress that apartment they had to be like what would June have in his in his house and what they decided that June would have in his house is a giant moose so that's pretty cool huh <laughs> hmm I liked it all right so the next thing on my list is the first kiss sort of sort of did I I think I loved it sort of so the first kiss happens around the midway point or pretty much exactly the midway point, I think. Um, and June, everyone actually, everyone has gone down to a holiday house and they all drink and they all get really, really, really drunk. And the one thing that's quite interesting about this compared to other K-dramas that I've seen, and you know, I've seen a few, <laughs> quite a, quite a few, um, you know, when people in K-dramas get drunk, like they can be a bit, you know, they'll fall over, they might swear a lot, but there is a level of cute to this. Like they'll, they'll still look pretty cute. Like, you know, if a girl gets really drunk, she's, you know, usually the guy's going to be like, oh, I'm so annoyed at you for being drunk, but also like, you're pretty cute. I'm really enjoying this situation where she tends to be like all over him. And same when a dude gets drunk, like there's a level of cute to it. And the thing that really interested me about the big drunk scene in this drama is that it was not cute. It, it felt like they were really drunk and they were over the line drunk. Like they were kind of messy, gross drunk. Like for instance, the secretary vomits on himself like he vomits on himself and we see the vomit and then we see him lying in bed with vomit on his cheek and I was like wow I'm never going to be able to unsee this moment of this man lying in bed with that bit of vomit on his cheek I mean never and I don't know that I loved it. I don't know if I loved all of the vomit. And then, you know, he's off, he's gone to bed. The secretary, the vomit secretary has gone off to bed. And Jiwoon and Hawan are the only two that are still outside. And they're kind of, you know, they're getting a bit flirty, but they're so drunk. Like they are not cute drunk. They are over the line drunk. Like Jiwoon looks so drunk that he looks a bit wet. And I don't know why he's wet. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, they're so drunk, but they're a bit like flirty. They're kind of like, you know, like touching each other's arms, like you get away, whatever. And I'm like, you guys are literally sitting 
like three centimetres away from where Vomit Secretary did that big vomit. And I'm like, that's that's not very romantic. I can just feel like I, it's just, it's it's no good. And then Jiwoon starts kissing Harwon and I'm like, yes, I, I actually love this. This is great. It's a great kiss scene. Yes. But then I'm like, but there's vomit on the floor. I, I mean, they don't show it, but I know it's there. And also Jiwoon just looks so drunk that he looks a bit wet. Like he just looks so drunk. And I was like, it's kind of gross drunk. They're both a bit gross drunk. And so that was interesting. I feel like I've gone on about that a bit, but it, it was, it was a thing that happened. And I was really like, do I love this? Do I not love this? Is this romantic? Is it not romantic? I don't know. I'm real. I still don't know to this day. I don't know. But in saying that, I really liked all the kisses in this drama. I felt like they were good, real kisses, and they were great, except for that that vomit thing, which was less good. Um, oh, I've written down that I like the huge, big artwork piece of Grandpa in the house, but you know, I've told you guys about that at length, so I won't do it again. Um, I love the silliness of the drama. And I did actually really like the chemistry between the two leads. So uh, Jiwoon and Harwon, they had a lot of scenes together that I really liked. And particularly like, you know, the bickering stuff or the kind of casual skinship stuff. Like it's very sweet and really nice. Um, so there's a lot of scenes of them at the convenience store. Like she works there at the very beginning. He keeps coming in and they're sort of fighting a lot and he'll come in without any money and stuff. Um, so I really liked all that stuff. But then it sort of progresses to them. Um, you know, there's this really great scene where they, they basically hate each other at this point. And they both, I think maybe because they have nowhere to go, I think, I don't even remember, but they end up going to the cinema and there's barely anyone in there. And they're both just watching a movie alone. And then suddenly like Harwon looks over and like five seats over to the right is Jiwoon. And she's like, oh my gosh. And so she starts like kind of creeping away. And then as she's creeping away, she's like, why am I running away from this idiot? Like I haven't done anything wrong. And then she turns around and he's literally like curled over the top of her. And he's just like, can I have some money or can I have some food? I can't actually remember which one of those two things that he says, <laughs> but it's very funny and very cute because you expect him to just like, he's been so rude to her up until this point. And I just thought it was so funny and unexpected that he was in such a shameful position and it was great. And I loved it. And then they go to the convenience store and, you know, there's a, heaps of scenes of them just, you know, eating together and hanging out. And it's really nice. I also really like when the whole team kind of goes down to this holiday house and Jiwoon and Harwon kind of end up riding horses together and, I don't know, feeding sheep or something. I don't really know. But it's beautiful. I'm like, where is this? There's these, like, mad, massive, you know, like, um, air turbine windmills, like, on these mad hills. Like, it is so beautiful and they're riding a horse around. And I think they've got great chemistry and I really like just the romantic tension and, you know, it's a bit bickery, a bit cute, very silly, but it's it's nice. Um, um, so I also really enjoyed that after they have this very messy drunk kiss, like all the hijinks after that were wonderful. I really enjoyed it. It's basically Harwon totally remembers, but he's very embarrassed. And Jiwoon also remembers, but pretends he doesn't. And there's just a lot of kind of like avoidance of each other and, um, you know, not looking at each other and everyone kind of realizing that they're being super weird around each other. So I really enjoyed that as well. It was very funny. Um, and then once they do get together, I think there was some really cute couple scenes. Um, I always have a bit of an issue that when characters get together, like I feel like shows kind of lose their steam. Um, but I actually really liked the scenes of these two together. Like for about two minutes, they're like, well, we better keep our new relationship secret because 
because grandpa said if, you know, Harwon's dating anyone, she'll get chucked on the street. And so within literally like two fucking seconds, everyone in the house discovers that they're dating. Like they are the worst at undercover dating that I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, I really liked all that stuff. Um, there's heaps of other things I like too, but that's sort of the general the general gist of it. All right, so now on to the ending and some stuff that I, I just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so much for me. All right, so on to the stuff that I didn't love quite as much. Fucking grandpa, he sucked. Throw him in the rubbish. Her dad, throw him in the rubbish. He sucked. I didn't like him. I didn't love that everyone in the first half of the whole drama was like, the missions you've got to do the mission Harwon or you're going to get chucked on the street and then in the second half of the drama they're like what missions I don't remember having what are missions who knows who cares so that was kind of I was kind of like what what I really enjoyed that part and it just sort of disappeared um and I've written here who cares about the grandpa plot in general it's whatever I didn't love it I found it very boring um I don't really care about which of the boys can give their liver to grandpa uh mm, yeah just all very boring I feel like the problem in the second half for me was that the most interesting part of the drama was Harwon and Yoon they were also the leads of the drama but so much time and focus in the second half went to grandpa went to grandpa's scheming wife it went to secretary whatever and his you know building his relationship with his mum and it went to you know evil stepsister and stepmother and that stuff just went nowhere it went around in a circle and then it came back to where it started and a huge amount of screen time was um, given to Hedgie and I didn't mind Hedgie but I feel like I, I just wanted more of the leads that's all I feel like that was the main problem like I don't think I really had a problem with any of the kind of silly plotting at the end I just don't know why it sort of seemed to take preference over the leads and because they were for me what was you know great about the show um yeah there was a lot of time on Hedgie and Chunmin and I actually quite liked their stuff but like their whole like we can't be together or you know him just being rude to her like literally there, there was no reason <laughs> so basically she's just like following him around for the first half of the drama and then as soon as he decides to you know go after her she walks off and doesn't want him anymore so we just get we get a lot of of either of them just getting chased around in circles and I was like yeah whatever so that was all right the ending uh was again like you know it's what you would expect it wasn't much but it didn't matter I was happy but one thing I actually will mention about the ending because I actually quite liked was that the grandpa after you know finding out that he, while he was in a coma getting his liver replaced you know he um he finds out that his wife was trying to basically take over the company and, and transfer all the shares to her son's name um and I you know he divorces her obviously uh, but I really like at the very end, we catch up, you know, a very final scene with this kind of step grandma and she's, you know, just working a day job now and she's trying to, I don't know, sell insurance or some shit at a cafe and she's clearly having a tough time and she's way less glamorous and dolled up. And then grandpa turns up with a big like thing of flowers and he's like, you know, let's, let's be together again. And I actually really liked that. I liked that he forgave her because he wasn't that crash hot either. <laughs> and I feel like, 
you know, why not just be not crash hot together? That's much better than getting divorced and hating each other for no reason when you're both just as shit as each other. Potentially, grandpa was worse than her. I don't know. He just, you know, paying everybody to basically leave his sons all the time and his grandsons. He was no good. Chuck him in the rubbish. Um, that's it from me on Cinderella and the Four Nights. I feel like I talked about it too much. Um, I hope it was okay. Um, really went on a bit of a tangent on this one, but I feel like if I sounded a bit silly talking about it, that's okay because it's a silly show. Um, should you watch it? Yeah. <laughs> Look, if that sounds fun to you, then you should definitely watch it because particularly the first half is so fun. And then I still like, it was still watchable for me and it was still worth my time, um, particularly just because the leads are so great. Um, and I really enjoyed that chemistry. I enjoyed all the cheese. It was good fun. So yes, I'm going to stop talking now about Cinderella and the Four Nights. time for my random thing of the week which is also kind of something I loved this week so I mean this is sort of the wrong place for it. but anyway I'm just gonna do it because I started so I just wanted to talk about a book that I read recently called The Forest of Stolen Girls by June Her. Uh, if you like historical fiction, uh, this is great. If you like mysteries and historical mysteries, this is great. And if you are, like me, interested in Joseon Korea and historical fiction, particularly set in Joseon Korea, then this one is for you. Oh, I loved it so much. I was really obsessed with June Her's first book, uh, which came out last year or the year before, as I recall this I don't know anyway I'm confused I, I don't know what's happening um so this is her second book and her third is coming out next year which I'm already so excited for um, but I think June Her is just such a good author. So this book, The Forest of Stolen Girls, it's a young adult fiction. But to be honest, like, I don't know. I don't know if it like, like, it definitely could be YA. It can read as YA. But I just feel like it would be very appealing for um, adult fans of historical mysteries as well. Because the book is very dark and atmospheric. Um, Particularly, so the book is set on Jeju Island in the 1400s uh, in Korea, in Joseon, Korea, obviously. Um, it's so atmospheric, like uh, just so the book opens with the main character, the, the female lead, if we want to say that, um, you know, on a boat traveling to Jeju and the way that it is described. So like just, you know, Jeju in the distance and the mist and the cold and the ocean. And it's just so dark and atmospheric. I loved it. And the mystery is very, very creepy. Um, and it's just beautiful reading about Joseon Korea. And I just love all the historical stuff. I'm such a fangirl of June Her. Um, so I think that if you like any of those things that I just said, you should definitely check it out. I thought it was so good. I loved it so much. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of June Her. I can't wait for her next book, um, which is coming out next year. I think it's called The Red Palace. And it's actually about Prince Sado, uh, which is, of course, you know, a very, very, very famous case, or I think the only case, or at least the most notorious one, of filicide, I believe is the right word. Um, I didn't mean to say that <laughs> that word in such a happy voice. This is a very big tragedy. Um, but I think a lot of listeners will know from watching dramas, or if you know anything about Korean history, or you are interested in it, or 
you know, in Joseon, you will probably know about Crown Prince Sado and, you know, how he met his death and the whole story around that. And I'm very, very interested to see what kind of mystery Jun Ho is going to write around, you know, such a famous tragic thing in history. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of her and I definitely recommend this. So this is her second book, The Forest of Stolen Girls by Jun Ho. It is great. <laughs> time for my something I'm loving this week section. It's kind of a weird one for you, um, but something that I have been really enjoying this week uh, is a, I want to say anime, but it, I don't, I don't really know if it is. I mean, it's an American made Netflix thing and it's set in Transylvania. So I don't know, but I guess it's an anime. Uh, it's just not a Japanese anime. It's like an American anime. Uh, so it's called Castlevania and there's multiple seasons. Like I can't remember, four seasons, five seasons, I think four. I'm um, just short seasons um, of this very dark and creepy and very interesting um, animated show. Uh, so it's available on Netflix in my country anyway. Um, and it's, I really like it. I think um, it's kind of based around the whole, you know, Transylvania, Dracula kind of myth. Um, some of it, the way it looks, like the artwork is like a little bit, it looks a little bit Amano, which is an artist that I really love. Um, he just does beautiful paintings. It's just, I don't know, some of the way the characters are done kind of remind me of that and it's just this very interesting show that kind it starts off really small like you know just a monster hunter or whatever and by the the fourth season it's this huge political thing with like all these multiple storylines going and you know it's very gory so if you're not into horror and gore it might not be for you like there's a lot of blood spurting around in every direction in this show um so super super dark but yeah, I don't know. I find it very interesting. I really like the writing on it. I think that some of the ideas in there are just really interesting. There's particularly this one character called um, Isaac, who's like a, what is he? I don't know. He's some sort of magic dude. He's a human, but he has like some sort of magic thing going on. Um, but anyway, his whole storyline, I find super fascinating. Um, so anyway, that's something that I've been loving a lot this week, even though it's very off topic and random. Uh, so that was Castlevania, um, which I think's up to season four. Uh, thanks for listening, I guess, to this. And I'm, I'm finished. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> brings me to the very end of this week's episode. Thank you so very much for tuning in and listening to me waffle on about K-drama and other random things. Uh, this is the part of the show where I say an enormous thank you to all those patrons who have decided to support the show on Patreon. Thank you guys so very much. You are the absolute best. Thank you also to everybody who tunes in and listens to this show, whether you are here weekly or just pop in and out. I really, really appreciate your time listening to my very weird show. <laughs> which is a lot of fun for me to make. Uh, so thank you very much for your time. I really hope that you will tune in again next week for some more K-drama random stuff, because that's what's going to be coming at you. <laughs> more of this. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope everyone has a lovely week going forward. Um, this is Lee Evie. Until next week, over and out.